All right. Welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andrew. Uh, we just have a great guest here today, and he's coming to us from Sweden, so we're hoping that our technology holds out. But uh, give us the intro of this great player. Yeah, so we are sponsored and by a Black and Gold Hockey Production Studio, but we are excited to have with us today Alex Router. So following his 16U and USHS prep days, Alex played in the USHL from 2012 to 2014 and later committed to playing for Cornell University. He attended all four years and served as a captain for his team his senior year. Following his collegiate career, Alex began his pro hockey career in 2018. Shortly have his senior year concluded in the ECHL with the Atlanta Gladiators. He continued playing for various clubs throughout the ECHL from 2018 to 2001, uh, 2021 and is currently three games into his season into the Swedish Pro League. Christian Stads, I'm going to say IK, so I can't pronounce all the Swedish stuff, but without further ado, we'll please welcome our guest today, Alex Router. How are you doing today, Alex? Wow, well, that's a great intro. Thank you so much, guys. It's an honor, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm sure it sounds like, you know, your mother may, may have wrote it. But uh, so, Alex, let's go ahead and let's start back at the U, your USHL days. And, you know, we like to talk uh, to our guests a lot about uh, that league because it's now um, past five years been more of a hotbed for the draft. So you had played for the Omaha Lancers and Youngstown fans during that time. What were your experiences like in the league? It was awesome. You know, like first and foremost, I, I got to play in two really nice organizations. You know, it, it's funny because uh, Omaha's all the way in the western side and, Youngstown is the furthest east, so I really got to see the the entire league in my two years. Yes, yeah, so Alex, um, we've had a few guys that played in the USHL, and uh, they were talking about that the crowds are insane. What has been your experience with the crowds at your two uh, teams? Yeah, well, first, uh, Omaha had a great crowd. Like, the city there, they're hockey crazy. You wouldn't think it being in the middle of Nebraska, but you know, they have the Nebraska Omaha college team. They have our junior team. They have a ton of youth hockey there. So, yeah, the people really love it. And uh, our in-state rival is the Lincoln Stars. So, anytime we would play against them at home or out in Lincoln in, in the ice box, their rink, uh, it would get pretty rowdy. And, yeah, there's, you know, four or 5,000 people screaming, going nuts. Like, it's it gets pretty intense. And, you know, especially with all the fighting, it's, it's not so much anymore. I think these days the fighting's kind of dwindling. But uh, back when I was playing, it was pretty tough to play there. So, Alex, I had noticed um, you did swap teams in the middle of <clears throat> one of your USHL seasons, but you ended up in the NAHL for 21 games and ended up making a, a, a playoff run with, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Win Winachi Wild. So, first of all, kind of a two-part question. How did the NAHL opportunity come to fruition? And then what was it like adjusting to all that moving that one season, man? It's like three teams. <laughs> yeah, no, it was pretty wild. Uh, it was a weird – weird way how the season worked out but yeah so when I went back to Omaha I was actually like recovering from a torn labrum in my shoulder so I had shoulder surgery in the middle of my first year in Omaha and then I came back and our team was really good like we had like the two of the top scorers in the whole league it was Jake Randolph and Tyler Vessel and uh, yeah I was just kind of looking for more of an opportunity you know like our team was pretty stacked and so then I got traded to Youngstown in like the middle of the year and then it was kind of going from like the top end of the league to the other end so yeah I was I was in Youngstown and we weren't winning a lot. And then when the trade deadline came, they ended up trading me to Wenatchee for like a younger player. And so that younger player ended up playing in Youngstown for the next couple of years. So it's kind of like a, like a future considerations deal. 
But uh, Wenatchee was also another great place. Like a, talk about a team with a great crowd. Like they would have 4,000 people. It's, it's about a couple hours east of Seattle in, in Washington. So yeah, it was a bit of a trek, but it was awesome. And uh, we went all the way to like the conference finals and we lost, it was a five game series. We lost in game five, double overtime to uh, a guy I actually grew up playing against. This guy, Doug Rose scored the overtime winning goal. And I was still hate him to this day. <laughs> so another kind of two part question, Alex. So, after uh, you conclude that NHL, NAHL season, um, you ended up going on to uh, Cornell University. So the two-part question is, is first of all, what, what made your decision to go to collegiate hockey instead of trying to follow that juniors route? And then what made you choose Cornell University, man? I'm sure you had plenty of other offers too. Yeah, well, you know, when you're growing up and especially out east and in, in the States, uh, the focus is definitely on collegiate hockey. You know, I had a lot of my friends uh, go play major junior and, and they loved it. You know, it's it just kind of depends on what's a better fit for you. And for me, like I definitely wanted to take my time and develop and definitely get an education. So when I was choosing what school to go to, I really wanted to go play in the Ivy league. Like I wanted to get the best education I could. And then, you know, after looking at all the schools, I mean, Cornell was just the best fit. I mean, it's, they label themselves as a blue collar Ivy and, you know, has such a great education and such a historic hockey tradition there. And, you know, just getting to play at line, was some of the best memories of my whole career. Like the, the fans are amazing. The school is amazing. And, you know, those four years are still some of my favorite memories. So let's talk a little bit about Cornell, because, I mean, a lot of players have gone on uh, to, to become very well-known hockey players. I mean, probably most notably Ken Dryden back in his day, but uh, Joe Neuendijk and uh, Riley Nash, I think, is another guy that uh, came from Cornell. So talk a little bit about uh, – some of your teammates that you played with and what made your team uh, special? Yeah. Well, yeah, even just right off the bat, like the, the main reason I wanted to go there too. Another one is just because of how many players they put in the NHL, you know, like they have such a great tradition and it's so, they're just so hard to play against, you know, they're, they work so hard and being there and getting to learn those kind of lessons really benefited me. And I mean, I've played with so many great players, but I mean, the, the ones that definitely come to mind right off the bat are guys like Cole Bardrow, you know, he made his NHL debut a couple years ago and guys like Jacob McDonald, he's like about to get a full-time shot in the NHL. And those guys, you can just tell, like, they're just, it's just a different breed, you know, like the guys that exceed at Cornell or the guys that are willing to work the hardest, but also, you know, change their game and figure out how to play the smartest. And that's what I really liked about going there. So your senior year, you serve as captain for the team. So what was that like to have that responsibility and how did that shape you and mature you as a player? It was a huge honor. You know, it's especially we do like a vote every year. So being voted by your peers to be the captain is definitely special. But, you know, your role changes, you know, like your your for, you know, your freshman year, you get in there and you're just trying to play. You know, you're just focusing on yourself and trying to worry about, oh, how how can I get in the lineup every night? <clears throat> and then, you know, f flash forward four years and then it's like, OK, how? how do I make sure every guy in this team is playing at their best? You know, how can I make sure everyone's happy? Everyone's working hard. Everyone's playing together. And so, yeah, it was, it was a huge challenge, but you know, I had other great assistant captains there helping me and other great guys as a part of our team. We didn't have any character issues. You know, we have such great guys that go there and want to play there. And so, yeah, like the guys, the rest of the guys on my team really made it easy for me. Who was your favorite lineman at Cornell? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I had a few, especially because I played a little defense. So I was, I was kind of all over the place there, but uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably go with 
Jake Widener because cool. Jake Widener is one of the best two-way centers I've ever played with. He wins every draw. He's got a crazy one-timer, but he always he's kind of a pass-first guy. So playing with him was really nice because we kind of did like a, we were kind of the shutdown line. So we'd play against the other team's best players. And it actually was really good for us because we'd get a lot of offensive chances too. So just before we jump to your pro career, um, why don't you take us through uh, some of the coaches that you've had up to this point and were any really impactful in your career? Yeah, no, I've had a lot of great coaches over the years. Uh, honestly, one that doesn't get talked about enough would probably be Pat Dennehy. So he's the coach over at Cho and that's a boarding school in Connecticut. And I only played there for one year, but that was kind of the first year where I really figured that, you know, college hockey and pro hockey was actually going to be a big part of my future. Cause once I got to play there and got to play with some really good players and kind of started to take off, that's when, you know, everything kind of came to fruition. And so coach Dennehy was great, you know, just his approach and kind of teaching me how to be a pro, even, even in boarding school was so huge to me. And just seeing, you know, just the day in and day out, preparation and like application of just all so much so many things you have to do to be ready to for college you know and, and he really helped me get there and uh i'm trying to think who else so my, my coach in wenatchee was uh actually oddly enough the coach that drafted me to the omaha lancers so that's kind of how it came full circle but his name was bliss littler and he's i think he still is like the all-time winningest junior hockey coach in the history of hockey which is pretty pretty special and he he had such a great pedigree and he coached so many great players and that's kind of how he was able to kind of take uh <laughs> not a crazy group of guys, but we had a kind of mixed match of people from all over the country, especially on that Wenatchee team. He was always pulling guys from the USHL or trying to get, you know, just as good of a team as he could. And he really did a good job of blending us together and preparing us for college because he, we practiced so hard <laughs> and he made sure we were all ready to play college hockey after leaving Wenatchee. That's for sure. Lots of bag skating, I take it. <laughs> <laughs> Not even that. It was just, you know, he just taught you how to be ready for the next level. You know, he, every, every time we did anything, it was 100% game speed, and it was always full contact. You're never, never laying off a guy just because he's on your team. You know, you want to make sure you're making your teammates better in practice, and that way when you get to the games, it's just second nature. So, Alex, I did notice that uh, – Within the same season, so you had just finished your senior year at Cornell, and then I've noticed that a lot of players have done this, which I never knew this was a thing, and it's got to be quite the transition, but you go to the ECHL, and you play your first uh, string of games with the Atlanta Gladiators, so what was that like to transition? You're playing college hockey, you got your full cages, all of a sudden you're back with men and fighting again, because I know in the US USHL you can do that, but uh, I mean, these are like grown-ass men, man. What, what was that like? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a weird transition, honestly. It's still to this day, that was one of the weirdest couple weeks of my whole life because, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're playing at your senior year and we, you know, we made the ECAC Final Four. We went to, we were one game away from the NCAA Frozen Four and, you know, you just lose your last collegiate game. I think we were, played BU as like Brady Kachuk and Greenway and those guys still hate those guys. And we lose to them. And then the next day, you know, my agent calls and he's like, all right, well, this is what's on the table. Like, what do you want to do? And it was like, wow, like, I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really not ready to, you know, get up and leave. And the, the crazy thing too, is that, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I could play in the playoffs. And so I ended up, I think I left school. It was like end of March, early April. And then I didn't go back for like four or five weeks. So I missed like a, the better part of my senior spring, but it was definitely a, 
a really good experience because you got to see what pro hockey was like. And, you know, I, I remember holding out for the AHL for a couple of days. And then when no teams would say I could play in the playoffs, that's kind of when I made a decision to go down to the ECHL and play in Atlanta. And I got to play with some really good guys. I mean, Derek Nesbitt, the captain down there, he's played, I think over like 500 games in the American league. He's been playing. Yeah. I think he might be on like 12 years of pro, maybe almost 15. And he, he was awesome. He assisted on my first ever goal in my first game. And that was something really special just to, you know, when you get down there and, you know, those guys are really good at making everyone feel welcome, you know, like they're pros for a reason. And, you know, as soon as I got down there, I knew it was the right decision because, you know, you just learned so much and it was great. So bring us through that first uh, contract, you know, getting off of the contract and you sign as a pro and you don't have to be humble. I mean, I'd be going freaking nuts. What was that <laughs> like to sign the contract and go, you know what, uh, I, I'm a pro and, you know, this is now a business and, you know, the, I'm playing with guys that have families. What was, what was that like? Bring us through that uh, feeling. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely weird because, you know, like, like I said, when you lose that last game in college, you know, you're sitting around with all your teammates and, you know, you want to be with them and kind of, you know, mourn together, <laughs> so to speak. But then after all the seniors are trying to sign and play pro. So it's, it's, you know, you're talking to all the guys on your team like, oh, like, where do you think you're going to go? Should we go somewhere together? What can we do? And it's hard to make those package deals. But, you know, I, I remember Atlanta gave me the opportunity to play in the playoffs. They were like, hey, like we're one game away from clinching. And, you know, I think we can make a decent run. And I was like, yeah, like I, that sounds perfect to me. And so I signed on and I remember calling my parents and being like, it's official. You know, I finally, finally made it all the way to achieving my goal of playing pro hockey. And it's, it's, you just think about all those people along the way that helped you, you know, like there's so many little things that go into it, whether just people taking you to the rink or helping you stay over somewhere in a hotel for a weekend tournament. And so many people help you to get you to that goal. And so that's why I was very appreciative and just humbled to be able to sign and, you know, kind of further my career. Was it eye opening when you played your first few games uh, of the adjustment from college to pro? Um, or, or was it an easy transition for you? I mean, was there a point, I guess I'm asking, that you were going, you know, oh, shit, uh, you know, I'm going to have to step up my game or these guys are bigger or tougher or whatever? Uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't a crazy transition, but it was definitely eye-opening. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I remember my first game, uh, we played against the Florida Everblades, who are one of the, you know, perennial really great teams up in, in the ECHL. And, just every guy was massive, you know, <laughs> like when you're a senior in college, everyone seems to be, you know, smaller than you, younger than you. And then you turn pro and yeah, there's guys on my team who are 35, 36, there's guys on the other teams just as old and they're just huge guys. And it's so physical, especially in ECHL. It's a lot more physical than it is in college. And you can just tell, you know, the guys are doing it for a living, you know, like that's when it, that's when it really got real was that first game against Florida. And then, we actually end up playing them in the first round. So I had to play them for five of my first seven games and they're one of the best teams in the league every year. So it wasn't easy, but it definitely, it was definitely a great experience because then I knew what I had to get, I knew what I had to do to be better for the following year. So I don't know exactly when you were very, very first traded per se, but I think it was during the 2018, 2019 season. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but my question is, is, we always like to ask, what is that like? And I know at different levels, it can be different, but did you get called into the office and they said, Hey, I'm so sorry. It's just business. So they give you a call and the trainer said, pack your bags, leave tomorrow. I mean, what was, what was that? You know, what was that like? <laughs> well, that my rookie year uh, in 2018, 19 was one of the weirdest 
years of all time because it's kind of a bit of a long story. So I'll, I'll try to get all the details out as I go. But basically, it kind of all started. Uh, I'm playing in Wheeling and the Wheeling Nailers owe the Manchester Monarchs a player. And kind of how that works is in the ECHL, you can trade one player to another team and the other team just gives them back what they call future considerations. Right. Okay. And so, you know, I believe the player's name was Zach Lynch. So Zach Lynch got traded from Manchester to Wheeling and Wheeling just owed Manchester a player at a later date, you know, a player to be named later. And so they knew that all season. And so for whatever reason, the Manchester Monarchs waited you know, all the way, I think it was like February to, to claim a player off wheeling and they decided to claim me. So, you know, the coach calls me in and he's like, Hey, you know, I hate to tell you, but you know, you, you've been claimed. And I was like, <laughs> kind of confused because <laughs> I was like, so I'm not being traded or cut or anything. I've just, I've been claimed. And I was like, okay. So it, it goes through as a trade, but you know, at, at that point uh, I was going from wheeling who wasn't going to make the playoffs to the Manchester Monarchs who used to be an AHL team. So I was like, Oh, this is great. Like, hopefully I'll get to make the playoffs. We'll go on a run. This will be awesome. And so then I show up to Manchester. Uh, I think I scored my first game. I was playing with like, you know, the team was awesome. We had so many great players on that team. And then a like a week or two later uh, was the trade deadline and the trade deadlines have not been courteous to me my almost my whole career, but they're getting a little better. But so that, that, that trade deadline, uh, it just so happened that the Manchester's affiliate, it's the Ontario Reign, it's like the, the AHL team, they weren't making the playoffs. So they were going to send down a couple AHL guys to finish the year in the ECHL and then play in the playoffs. And they just so happened to send down, you know, two lefty forwards, you know, my exact position and, and <laughs> curve. And so then the coach is like, hey, like, you know, we have a roster size. I have to move you. I'm really sorry. But he's like, I'm going to send you somewhere, you know, that you're going to get a lot of opportunity to play. And I was like, okay, great. So, you know, it was kind of a sad moment, but he said, I'm going to, I'm going to trade you to Allen. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. Never been to Texas. That should be fun. <laughs> and then like less than 20 minutes later, like I'm in the room packing my bag and the coach calls me back into his office and he's like, uh, don't go anywhere yet. Fort Wayne has claimed you from Allen in a, in a separate future considerations deal. And Fort Wayne told me that they're going to move you before the end of the day. So just, <laughs> just leave your stuff here. We'll figure out what's going to happen. And I'm, and this is at like 10 AM. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sitting there all day waiting by the phone. Like I can't nap. I can't do anything. I couldn't practice because I wasn't on the team. Uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there. And I think the trade deadline's three o'clock. And at like 3.02, I get a call from my Manchester coach. And he was like, hey, Fort Wayne traded you to Rapid City in South Dakota. And so you're, you'll get a call from them later tonight and you'll be flying out to Rapid City in the morning. And I was like, wow, I was, I was just a part of four teams in one day. That, that's got to be something <laughs> real. I was about to say, so did you – I mean, did you feel like bad? Like, I mean, I, I would almost feel good. Like every team wanted to get me. I mean, I, I was traded within four days. I mean, <laughs> four days, so. it, it's, you know, it's a, it's a really weird feeling, you know, being traded is, you know, you can, you can really look at it in two ways. You can look at it as a downer, like, Oh, like this team didn't want me. I can't believe I have to go somewhere new and start over. 
But the, the way I look at it is, you know, this new team wants you and they see value in you and you got to perform. And so that was kind of the way I took it. I was like, Hey, this is a new challenge. It's a new team and I'm going to play the best I can and hopefully, you know, move on to the AHL and do well. And so when I, when I finally made it to rapid, you know, it's like all people could ask me, it was like, Oh, like, how did you get traded four times in one day? And then, you know, I end up finding out that the original trade, you know, from Manchester to Allen, I was traded one for one for an NHL contracted defenseman. And so that's, that's kind of what stuck with me the most is that, Hey, like at the end of the day, I had the same value as an NHL player. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. So when you finally get to your new team, does the coach sit you down and discuss uh, maybe this team system or expectations, or are you just kind of thrown into the mix and say, just do your thing? It's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, when I first got to Manchester, uh, the coach, Doug Christensen, he's a great coach, a great guy. And he, he sat me down and he was like, Hey, you know, it's your first game, new team. Don't, I don't want you to think about anything. Like just go out there and play, like have fun. And, you know, we'll, we'll go over the systems and stuff later. Cause I think I, yeah, I got there. Wednesday morning and we played at 7 p.m. that night like there wasn't a lot of time for practice or anything and then uh, when I got to rapid it was kind of the opposite it was like hey uh you know we have like I think we had like 12 games left he's like hey we got I think it was like three or four weeks left you know here are our systems this is what we do and he's like hey I really want you to be a big part of this team and uh, coach Tetro was like you know we brought you in because we need some offense we need to score goals and he's like I hope you can help us do that and so yeah then they take you in and then after that you go meet your 20 new teammates so you had you had mentioned you you made it to Rapid City and funny enough, uh, like we had just talked off air, we actually just had your former assistant coach from Rapid City, Jeremy Gates, on the show. Um, was he a, a mean coach or anything? Because he liked to play it off like he was the, he was the nice guy. So we wanted to confirm. <laughs> Gator, no, he uh, he was a he was a good coach. He was a, you know he was he was the nice guy, especially uh, in that dynamic. You know, our head coach, Coach Tetro, kind of liked to get after the guys and kind of you know make sure he was in their ear and always being hard on them. And so Gator was definitely, definitely the nice guy, but you know, that, that team has uh, definitely has its seen its share of ups and downs. I mean, they always, they always have great players, but it's kind of hard to put everything together. But I was, I was fortunate to play with a couple guys who I'd played with uh, before in my career and Miles McGurdy and Dexter Danks and, you know, just being able to stay with those guys and kind of work through, you know, some of the struggles we had as a team was definitely really cool. So uh, Alex, if I cut out, maybe Andrew can finish this question because I am having a little internet problems today. But uh, talking about the environment in the ECHL, so you have um, ECHL contracted players like yourself. Um, then you also have NHL contracted players that are sent down to the AHL that could be sent down to the ECHL. Um, and then you have PTOs that come on board uh, quite a bit that – maybe play four or five games and they're released. So you're one of the guys that's a, a steady on the team, but how hard is it to be on a team where you have the team players, let's call it, then you have the players that are coming down from the AHL for whatever reason, but then you got PTO guys that have to fill in the mix when, uh, you know, ECHL players like yourself get called up to the AHL when they're uh, needing players. So talk a little bit about, that environment and how maybe I don't know if it's difficult to navigate or what. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's, it's a tough job, <laughs> you know, I mean, I would, I would be lying if I said, you know, playing in the ECHL was easy, you know, it's, 
playing in any minor league is tough because like you said, there's people always coming up and down. People are moving, people are being traded, people are being cut and it's, it's cutthroat, you know? I mean, that's the thing is it, it really, to me, it really tests your love for the game. And, you know, some people, you know, you play, you play in the ECHL and you learn that you love hockey, you know, like that you, you love being in that grind. And to me, that's what I always want to do. Like I, I just want to play hockey. And so it doesn't matter to me whether I'm playing on the third line with a guy who's on a PTO or if I'm playing on the first line with an NHL contracted guy, you know, wherever, wherever you're playing, you just have to put your best foot forward and work as hard as you can. And the rest will just kind of happen, you know, and other people, they kind of realize that, Oh, like playing four games in five days in four different cities is not for me. And, you know, <laughs> those guys quickly learn. And I, you know, I think you see that's, that's kind of why there's so many guys coming in and out of the league because it is a grind. It's definitely, definitely hard to play there, but you know, if you can be one of those guys that gets called up, I think it's all worth it, you know, and there's so many guys these days, you know, making it to the NHL from the ECHL. And so it's really cool to see those guys have success. So Alex, like I said, in the intro, you are currently in the middle of the season in Sweden. So um, what is the adjustment like for New Jersey boy going overseas and, and over to Sweden for the first time? I mean, is it a uh, weird with some of the language barrier there is there much of a language barrier where you're at and, and things like that what, what can you tell us yeah well I mean even just kind of the decision into going over here was basically because I, I'd spent three years in ECHL and you know I've been to some AHL training camps and NHL development and rookie camps and you know I just kind of felt like you know I, my game was kind of better suited to play out here you know I really wanted to take my career and go in a different direction and when I got the opportunity to play in Sweden, I jumped all over it. You know, like the hockey tradition here is crazy. You know, the fans are awesome. The league is awesome. And, you know, it's the biggest thing too, that I found is they all speak English, <laughs> which is, which is really nice. I think uh, Ryan Duncan said in your last episode, English is uh, the language of business. And it's very true. You know, like our coaches speak English and they'll help me that way. The players on the team speak English and obviously they'll speak Swedish to each other, but you know, the majority of our pre-game and during game talk is all in English, which is really nice. And, and so the transition so far has been great. You know, our, our team's young, like we're definitely uh, taking our lumps right now. We've lost the first couple games, but you know, I really like the guys in our team and I, I think we can really do some damage in the league. Is the rink larger over in Sweden in this league? Yes. So I believe almost all of the European leagues play with the rink and it's wider. So I think it's 40 feet wider than a usual standard NHL rink. Now, do you, uh, it might be too early for you to answer this, but do you think that suits your game better or, or a disadvantage? I think it suits me better. I mean, especially just the way I've played my whole life has kind of been making plays and moving the puck. And so that's kind of what I like about the game over here. Everyone's always moving. Everyone's always supporting the puck and making plays. And that's why it's, it's really cool to come over here and see this different brand of hockey. Like you see how well I'm trying to, what's a good example, like uh, the Sedin brothers, you know, who are famous Swedes, won Olympic gold medals. And it just seemed like they always knew where they, each other were all over the ice and they're just give and go everywhere. And that's kind of how they like to play over here as opposed to, you know, back in North America, there's a lot of chip and chase and putting the pucks into space and just getting the four check going in the cycle game here. It's a lot of puck possession. So in, with the currently that you play for then how would you compare it to strictly to the ECHL? Like with that, especially with that adjustment going from ECHL to your current league. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a step up. You know, I think the Alspenskin league as a whole is uh, a better league than the ECHL. It's definitely different. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to 
compare them because they're so different, you know, being in Europe and North America. But the ECHL is just, you know, more of a league of, you know, kind of trying to figure out who you are as a player, you know, and, and see if you can make that jump to the AHL and the NHL. And over here, we have guys who have played in this league for 10, 15 years, you know, like they'll, this is their career and they've, they go up and down because here in Sweden and a lot of the other leagues do this, they have the relegation play. So the best team in our league will get promoted to the top league in Sweden and the worst team in the top league in Sweden will get relegated down to our league. So you see, there's a lot of pride and a lot and a lot of loyalty to the club, to whatever team you're playing for, because, you know, you could, you could be up to the top league down to the second, down to the third and vice versa, you know, in any given year. So it's pretty cool. Is the practices over there uh, similar to North America or is there a different focus? Uh, they're a little different. I mean, I think I can speak to, to our team and we like to do a lot of the same things every day, whether it's just five on five play or, you know, even if it's just, you know, a lot more skating and passing. Like I know in North America, we would do a lot of small area games and that's just kind of like the way they would do it in pro hockey over there is, gets the guys going and competing. And here it's a lot more skill focused and skill based, which is pretty cool, actually, honestly, if you ask me. And so is, the, is there any physicality there as much? Cause I know the, the Swedish leagues are known for that. And I imagine with the bigger ice too, that it would be a lot harder to kind of go in the corner. I mean, you don't really have to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's different. I mean, I wouldn't say there's no physicality, but when there is, it's a big one, you know, cause I think a lot of guys, like you're saying, like you're, there's wider ice, there's more time and space. And so guys really aren't expecting it. And, you know, sometimes a, a guy will just fly right by you. And then other times this guy's coming to kill you. <laughs> and so I think when, when you see a hit, it's a lot bigger than you would expect. And that's why, you know, it kind of goes under the radar, but I think for North Americans playing in the Swedish league, it's definitely beneficial because, you know, we're ready for contact at all times, you know, playing in the ECHL and the AHL guys are finishing their hits all the time. And I think here in Altsvenskan, some of the European players aren't ready for it or they're not expecting it. And so I think it's kind of a benefit for us because we get a little more time and space out there. Yeah. I was going to uh, mention that. And you just answered that question that, you know, I mean, we season ticket holders for Tulsa Oilers in the ECHL, which, you know, you played against them. Um, it, it's a rough league. And a lot of times there is some running of players and um, I'm wondering the, you answered it, the North Americans going over to Europe uh, and bringing that physicality, um, it, it's definitely an advantage. But how tough are some of these European players? Because I assume they're not all Swedish. They probably come from Austria and, and UK, wherever. Yeah, no, they're, they're just as tough as your regular hockey players. You know what I mean? Like these guys, it's still the game is, you know, I guess the best way to put it is, you know, hockey is hockey, you know, like. These guys are still blocking shots, taking hits to make plays. Like they're doing everything they can to help their team. And it's, you know, it may not be the same as, you know, fighting Mike McKee at the box center on, you know, on a Friday night, but these guys are doing everything they can, especially in our league to get promoted to the SHL, like the top league in Sweden. And this, there's just so much pride and loyalty to the club here. It's, it's really cool to see what these guys will do for their, for their hockey club. Yeah, I take it. The fans are pretty crazy there too. Yeah, they love it. They, they kind of have the soccer fan, like, you know, soccer hooligan kind of theme going. They're standing the whole game. They're chanting and screaming. It's it's really cool. We just we played uh, on last Friday in Moto and they call Moto the heart of hockey. And that's where 
the Sedins played, Peter Forsberg's jerseys in the rafters, Victor Hedman. And it's it's pretty cool to just see the tradition they have there. It's I think it's like seven or eight thousand fans and they're on their feet the whole game. The the rink overlooks the Baltic Sea. It's it's a crazy place. So, you know, you mentioned Mike McKee here in Tulsa. We actually had him on the podcast uh, I don't know, maybe two or three months ago. So, you know, he has a different view for the game because, you know, he's a huge guy and he loves to stand up for his teammates and so forth. Do you have any uh, Mike McKee stories that I could, uh, you know, call him up and say, hey, uh, Ryder said this about you in front of the net, bro. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know if he remembers me, but uh, yeah, I have two very funny Mike McKee stories. So uh, when he was at Kent uh, school, the Kent school, it's like a different prep school. It's actually one of my, like, it's our, like, we're like rival schools. So we're in the, the founders league in like the Connecticut prep school ranks. And when he was at Kent, he actually toured me around. And so I was like, you know, a, a, I think a sophomore or junior in high school. And he was, took me around to like, show me what it was like. And I remember being like, Oh, like this guy seems so nice. Like I, <laughs> I can't believe he's like this, this rough and tumble hockey guy. And then, you know, flash forward, it honestly could have been, it was like not eight or nine years later, uh, we were playing in Tulsa and I'm going to forecheck Mike McKee. And I was like, what's this guy going to do? Is he going to try to reverse hit me or just shoot this puck at my face? And so I kind of like hesitated a little and he chipped the puck off the glass and his stick just goes smack right in my face. And I lose half of my front tooth. So if you see him tell him he owes me half a tooth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dad, unless you have another follow-up, I'm ready to head into the lightning round. Are you ready to go? Yeah, so our lightning round questions, we well, you if you listen to our podcast, you'll know we're just going to ask some fast questions, put you on the spot, and see how you respond. So if you're ready to go, Andrew, why don't you start? So which arena, and this could be all the way back from your USHL days, but which arena had the worst locker rooms? <laughs> <laughs> the worst locker rooms uh i'd probably have to go uh with the the wheeling nailers okay. just especially for the away team the away team gets has a tough room over there <laughs> uh, no hot water or is it moldy or is it rats what what's the deal <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just very small. They have a tiny little room for the forwards and a t- even tinier room for the for the D and goalies. And it's you can't even like roll out or stretch. There's barely enough room for the bags. Yeah, it's like uh, that documentary that uh, I don't know if you watched the, the what is it? Crime and penalties, uh, the Danbury Trashers. But yeah, it's kind of reminds me of uh, their locker room stories. <laughs> I, I was fortunate. I, I kind of got out of the league when uh, they were still doing that kind of stuff. But I. I've heard stories about doing that though. A lot of, a lot of the teams would uh, like the home teams would have to provide tape. And so they would give them like one roll of tape and these teams would show <laughs> up and have nothing for their sticks or shin pads. Jeez. So um, we're go- we keep a running tally for the East coast players we have on the, in the ECHL, the worst ice conditions, which arena? <laughs> I feel I feel bad throwing uh, so many teams under the bus here, but I think I think I have to take a shot at, at my own team, uh, the Indy Fuel. We had several ice issues last season. We we had a game canceled like 
halfway through the game because of the ice, but that's still a great place in a great city, but yeah, tough, tough ice conditions there. Yeah. Funny. Cause I'm almost certain Jeremy had mentioned that one too, about I think it was Indy, one of the ones they had to cancel a game or something, but yeah, that I couldn't imagine uh, Indy having great uh, ice conditions, but nothing's worse than Tulsa. I'm sure you were there during some games when uh, the boards or something wouldn't work and they have to go up and fix and it takes 20 minutes. I mean, dude, that's got to take the wind out of you guys, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty tough to stay focused, especially when you don't know how long it's going to take. You know, I, I, I think I, this, this is gone. There's got to be some kind of stat on this, but I think I've played more games in the BOK center than any other rink, even like including my college rink. I feel like I've played so, so many three and threes in Tulsa. It's hilarious. Who's the toughest goalie to score against? Ooh, Honestly, to this day, it's still Alex Lyon. And he was my teammate in Omaha turned arch rival at Yale. And I was definitely lucky enough to score my first college goal on him, but then never again, because he's a brick wall. (laughs) The funniest or most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game? (laughs) Uh, Last season, I I ended up getting suspended for this, but it was – uh, we were losing the game and I was having a tough game and I, I went to go four check and the goalie like tripped me. Like I was, I was in wheeling and I goalie tripped me. I like went face forward, face first into the boards. I'm like disoriented, like, wow, this is the worst game of all time. And I went to get up and I kind of like used my stick as a crutch and I flexed it and it snapped in half. <laughs> and I was like, this, I was like, this can't get any worse. So I go to throw it away. And I literally, I don't know what happened, but I just went to throw the stick and it just kept going. It skyrocketed. It went into like the 20th row. (laughs) And I thank God there weren't any fans in wheeling because there really aren't usually ever. And uh, the stick, the broken stick went into the stands. And so I ended up face, I think I got suspended for like five games and had to pay a fine. But that was, that was one of the worst things to ever happen to me. (laughs) Which player had the innate ability to get under your skin? Not necessarily fighting wise, just somebody who was maybe a rat towards you, annoyed you. Uh, hmm. A good a good example of that would probably be uh, Seti Lacroix. So it, we were teammates in Wheeling, and then when uh, when I left the next year, well, yeah, we both end up playing for different teams the next year, and we would go at it quite a bit. But he, he's a good agitator. That's kind of his role, and he he relishes it. He's definitely good at it. And then we got to play together last year in Indy, and so that was that was definitely cool to kind of see it from the next the next view, you know. And so I know that uh, this last question is kind of broad in general, but I want to know what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say favorite hockey memory in your career thus far? I would definitely say just all my time at Cornell. I mean, there's so many great things that happened and just, just being with that group of guys for so long was so special. And some of those guys I still talk to every single day, even here in Sweden, like they're, awesome guys and being able to play there was definitely just my favorite thing of my career so far. Awesome. Well, Hey, Alex, we really, really appreciate you officially on air. We will say goodbye and we'll say a couple words off air right after this, but on air, man, we can't thank you enough for, for taking the time for coming on and glad that we were able to reschedule and, and do this episode, man. It was a blast. I hope you had fun today. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was awesome guys. I just, uh, I got to give a quick shout out to my, to the Shamrocks Hockey Club, which is all my friends from back home in my hometown of Chatham, New Jersey. So I want those guys to know that 
hopefully if they're listening, eventually they'll, uh, they'll hear this. So thanks guys. I really appreciate your time. Well, our first overseas interview went well, Andrew. Yeah, no, it went, uh, went really, really well. Alex, great guy. Um, great, you know, speaker as well. Um, that was a great episode, man. And you know what? Um, I know it might be annoying maybe to some viewers when we have to do this, uh, from a distance instead of in our office, but, uh, you know, glad that the internet held up because, you know, man, we were kind of panicking beforehand, you know, with our Oklahoma, you know, uh, in the sticks Wi-Fi. you know, we didn't know how it was going to work with him in Sweden, man. That, that was the first time we had a guest that's currently living overseas, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, we're going to have more on, we have some scheduled and, uh, one of the guys is actually in Russia. So we'll see how the internet connection in Russia is. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, we got a lot of episodes coming up, a lot of guests. So um, definitely keep your eyes peeled and you can download us anywhere. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Yeah, we're going to end it here, Alex. Great guest. We're going to follow his career over there in Sweden. And just one of many guests that have, uh, you know, uh, for some reason, I don't want to put the players on the spot by saying, hey, why did you give up an AHL or ECHL to go to play in Europe? But I'm sure the money is a lot better based on our past guests. And, um, you know, just a lot of players that are North Americans that are playing in the Britain League and uh, playing in Austria and Czechoslovakia and Sweden. So it's uh, it it used to be sort of a um, anomaly, but now it seems to be the norm. Well, and you know, Dad, what I've noticed too with these hockey players, and it, it of course runs, you know, it's, it's their personality. But, um, you know, like what Alex said earlier in the interview was that, you know, he, he wants to play and that's all he wants to do is for the love of the game. So, you know, even for these guys, you know, even though they, they might say maybe my NHL shot isn't there, at least they say, well, you know what, if I can play and get paid for it, especially if it's good money, especially overseas, whatever, why not do it? And, I, uh, you know, all, all the – Credit to Alex, and uh, hopefully he does uh, make it back. And if he wants to come back over to North America, hopefully we could see him play. But uh, definitely all the best to him and his career. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really good career over there. And, uh, you know, we'll probably uh, make that uh, elite league. It's just one step away um, from the elite league over there. And he's a young guy, and he's get, he's talented and getting better and better. So we wish him the best of luck. We will keep in touch with him. But uh, thank you all for the listeners on this episode. And this is episode 47, correct, Andrew? Yep, yep. All right. Well, Lindroth Hockey Podcast, thanks, you guys, and we'll catch you next time. We'll catch you next time. Thanks.